Hey there, and welcome back to the Hairstylist Rising podcast. In this episode, we are going to dive into the topic of authenticity on social media. This is a huge conversation in my world, in my communities, and something I actually get a lot of comments and DMs about all the time. And we want to talk about how this impacts hairstylists and educators in the beauty industry. So I have brought on a guest. Her name is Haley Jepson. And she's going to be sharing her journey from being a triple booked colorist to retraining as a psychotherapist and then back into coaching hairstylists and working behind the chair. And I invited Haley to be my guest because I think that she has a unique background and take on authenticity and how it impacts both stylists, educators, behind the chair and beyond the chair. So We are going to explore what authenticity truly means. Some of the things during this episode that we discuss is Haley's journey in the beauty industry. We're going to talk about the concept of authenticity and being true to yourself in different environments. We're talking about the fine line between sharing personal experiences and maintaining professional boundaries. This is a big one. We're talking about the impact of social media in building connections, communities, and conversations, both with our clients and within our hairstylist community, and also finding a unique voice and brand personality on social media that's going to help you attract the right clients and foster meaningful relationships. We really do explore the fact that authenticity on social media is not a one-size-fits-all concept, and I cannot wait for you to hear how we dive in and dissect this. So let's get into it. You're listening to the Hairstylist Rising podcast. Here we talk about creating a career you love. We go deep into mindset, marketing, business, and life as a hairstylist. I'm your host, Jody Brown, a hairstylist veteran turned branding and marketing mentor for ambitious, inspired beauty pros like you. On this podcast, we share the real stories of leaders within the beauty industry and actionable trainings that leave you with the tools and guidance that will inspire you to build your best life as a hairstylist. From branding, business, and marketing to mindset, life, and finding fulfillment, no topic is off limits here. Get ready to be educated and inspired. This is the Hairstylist Rising Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Hairstylist Rising podcast. This could be a little controversial today. So I am really excited to welcome back Haley Jepson. You may know her from Instagram as the Resilient Hairdresser. And we're going to talk all about authenticity on social media, what it means, how it applies to you, if it's necessary, what the misinterpretations are, all of the things. So I'm really excited. Welcome back to the podcast, Haley. Thank you for being here. I'm thrilled to be here, Jodie. I absolutely love talking on podcasts. <laughs> it's my favorite medium. So for anyone who hasn't heard your last episode, I'm going to link it in the show notes because it is definitely one to listen to. We talked about burnout as a hairdresser, mm-hmm. which is something that you are so knowledgeable about because you have a really unique background. So would you mind just doing a quick introduction of yourself and what your journey in the beauty industry has looked like thus far? Yeah. And so my background is that I was a hairdresser for 30 years and I was a triple book. I always say triple book colorist. I think it really sets the scene of how I worked. And then around about 20 years into my career, I got really burnt out. 
and I was struggling with my mental health and I got some therapy and I started to feel a little bit better, but not so much about hairdressing. And so I decided to retrain as a psychotherapist, as you do. And that's what I did. And I retrained. It took four years while I was still behind the chair. And then I quit. And I went and worked as a psychotherapist for about five years, I think. And I worked in lots of different areas. I had my own business. I worked in a school. I volunteered for a a drugs charity. I did all sorts of things. But I found it quite lonely as a job. And so I sort of gravitated back into hairdressing, which is the short version of the story. I gravitated back and just did a day for my friend. They really needed a colorist. And I said, I'll do a day to help you out. And I thought it might give me a little bit of balance and offset the loneliness. And it was such a big revelation for me because when I left hairdressing, I was not a fan. I was like, I'm never coming back. This is too hard. And then when I did this day, I loved it. And I just, I was so happy on the days I was hairdressing and noticeably happier than when I was working as a therapist. And slowly over a year, I went back full time as a hairdresser and I stopped being a therapist. And this was such a big moment for me because I realized that I'd learned something that was helping me as a hairdresser that I didn't have before. And I knew I'd learned this as a therapist. And so I tried to bottle it as it was. And so I could tell other hairdressers about it. And so that's when the Resilient Hairdresser was born. I thought, I'm going to educate hairdressers about mental health, how to look after themselves, and how not to quit when they're burnt out. And so that's what I did. And I've been doing that for, I think I'm in my fourth year. Wow. I love that. And it's so important, too, because I think that this is, I'm so glad we're opening up this conversation after, as an industry, I think we just take on so much from others, right? And so it's, it's something that's been brought to the forefront, I think in the past, you know, about that, the past like five years is when this is the first time I've been in the industry for a long time. And this is the first time I've really started to hear this conversation. Maybe it's because now we are forming communities outside of our salons. We're forming communities on a global basis, but I think it's one of the best things to come out of the, you know, social media allowing us to have these bigger communities is more of a focus on taking care of yourself yeah I think it's easier to get it's easier to start a revolution now isn't it (laughs) yes it's easier to for an idea to take to get some pace and spread quite quickly because of social media and I think that's wonderful in lots of ways it's sometimes a problem as well but I think my community when I was young was just who I worked with in the salon I literally didn't know anything beyond Tony and Guy for a long time. That's who I started with. And and as great as that was, I just, I didn't know what else was out there. And I think it must be so interesting to be a hairdresser that doesn't remember a time before social media now. I think about this all the time because I think that's where, when I started, it was just, you worked at a salon and that was how you built, you built over time, you retained, like you just got the clients you got and that was it. Um, and maybe you'd pound the pavement with business cards, that kind of stuff. But it is really interesting because one of the biggest things I remember is actually when you would go, so I was working in an Aveda salon Mm -hmm. and we would go to these Aveda classes and it was very like if other salons were the competition, I'm using air quotes with my fingers right now, but 
And I think as an industry, I'm sure it still exists, but I think as an industry, what's one of the cool things too, is that we're shifting away from that and starting to lean on each other and really be able to learn from each other's experiences. So this kind of segues into the conversation surrounding social media, Mm -hmm. I think is really an interesting place to start would be what does authenticity on social media mean to you? And I'm just going to give a little background here because this is something that came up inside my mentorship mm-hmm. um, program. And it was like the authenticity word was getting to one of my incredible students. And they were like, oh, it feels like ick. it feels a bit icky. It gives me the ick a bit and it feels a bit forced or like a buzzword. And I'm like, you know, I fully understand that, but I think that it is really the only word. And I think it depends on the meaning you attach to it. So I'd be curious to hear, what are your thoughts on that in general? Well, I can tell you what it means to me, first Mm, of all, uh, an authentic, something that's talked about a lot in the therapy room, you know, and so my stance on it could be really different to other people's and stuff like that. And I have lots of thoughts about it, Jodie. But essentially Perfect. for me, being authentic is having the courage to be your true self, no matter what room you're in. Love that. That's how I think about it. And then I think there's, but I think that people think sometimes being authentic is showing all of you, all of yourself. Right. And I think that's why your student might feel the ick. Right. Because I think some people sell authenticity. Need to learn to say that today. Uh, It might come up. (laughs) People sell it in a weird way. Mm, They tell you what their version of authentic is, which Mm -hmm. means it's not authentic. It's authentic to them, but not to you. And so I think you've really got to decide for yourself And I think it's so interesting about being your authentic self, no matter what room you're in, because I think sometimes we behave in one way with one set of people, different in another set of people. But I think you can be your true self while still having maybe more of a professional demeanor with some people, more of a casual demeanor with some people. I'm still myself. Yeah. But sometimes it depends what's appropriate and I decide what's appropriate. All right. I love this. So let's unpack that in terms of a behind the chair hairdresser, because that is what I want to hone in on. And I've got some thoughts too, but I really want to discuss when, because this is, I think what trips a lot of people up is this idea of, okay, am I going to be the same though when I'm with the girls on a Friday night or Sunday brunch or whatever, as I'm going to be behind the chair. And for me, I think I like what you said about being your true self, but it's like that can still leave nuance for situational behaviors and things like that. So how would you describe, and maybe you can even give an example of behind the chair, Haley versus, and I think there's also a difference for educators as well, because that is, I think requires us just sharing a bit more in order to relate and show the way and what our stories and things like that, which I don't think is as necessary, honestly, from a marketing perspective for behind the chair stylist. So I think you can be very authentic and very true to yourself while still maintaining social media boundaries. 
Yeah. And so I'll think about this from behind the chair hairdresser point of view. Okay. And so you asked what I was like behind the chair and was I my authentic self? I would say no based on my version of that now. (laughs) Right. And particularly when I think about that, I think about me a long time ago working in a salon. Maybe by the time I was working for myself, it was a little different, but I think I probably wasn't my authentic self. And I also think that really contributes to why I was burnt out because it's exhausting not being yourself all the time. And interestingly, I'm going to go off now, Jodie, so you're going to need to bring me back. I was having a conversation the other day with a hairdresser on the live that I do, and she was talking about how she wants to be a little more real with her clients, but without stepping into telling them all her problems. And we had this really interesting conversation. And I said, I was really trained to put on the show. That's how I would word it. And I think putting on the show is contributing to hairdressers burning out. And so I like this conversation because I think if we can find a way to be authentic and professional, it's much easier than putting on the big show. And I yes. feel like I was dancing for, I call it dancing for clients. I was uh-huh. really putting on the entertainment for lots of reasons, hiding the fact I was running late. There was no right. stock. We'd run out of coffee, you know, who knows what, but uh-huh. I was having to perform quite a lot and that didn't feel like my authentic self. Right. And so I think that this really does tie into my other work, which is avoiding burnout. I think if you can find a way to be authentic and feel okay and feel safe, this will really stand you in good stead mental health wise as a hairdresser. So I think this is what I think you should think about. And I want to know what you think about this. I think what you share on social media, be prepared for people to ask you about it because they're going And so if you talk about, Let's use mental health as an example. If you talk about your bad days and your mental health, you're inviting those conversations. If you don't want them, don't do that. Right. And so that's how I think about people protecting themselves. People say to me sometimes, you know, I shared about this and then I got 120 DMs with people telling me about their experience and it was overwhelming. But I think, well, they related to what you said mm-hmm. and wanted to talk to you about it. And yeah. so I think you've got to think about things like that. And so that's the sort of thing I would be thinking about presenting myself. So this, I think, you know, what you're, what we've talked about is that authenticity can be, you've got to show up in your pajamas on your bad day crying, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and people and are like, I don't know if I'm up to that. And I think that's authentic for some people. Yeah. Uh, it's not really for me. Me neither. No. no, no, that isn't my authentic self. I feel the exact same way. And I think that for a long time, I felt like, am I like wrong for needing to process things first and then sharing the lessons after? Because for me, that's what feels good. Like that to me is authentic. I like to, when I'm experiencing something, I need to process first before I'm ready to share. I do not come off of a bad situation or experience or something like that being ready to talk about it yet. And I'll talk to my best friend or someone close to me while I'm processing. But typically, I don't even tell everyone in my personal life about those things. So it 
really wouldn't be authentic to me to come on and share. And I think, again, like I feel like it is different for and if I were behind the chair hairdresser, I think I could be truly authentic without necessarily having to share the hard things that I'm going through. Because I don't necessarily know that for me in the way that I ran my behind the chair business, I did not feel and I'm talking as an independent stylist because I completely relate to everything you said about being trained to put on a show and all of the things. Mm-hmm. And that was at the beginning of my career. I'm talking about the second phase. When I came back from maternity leave, I was running my own business. And I had really strong relationships with my clients. I very much felt like I was able to show up as my true self. But I also didn't share a lot of the things like I'm thinking even particularly about our infertility struggle. That wasn't something I talked about with my clients because it was too painful for me. And that didn't feel it would have felt fake for me to overshare and be really forthcoming when I wasn't ready. And so what are your thoughts on that? I think there's a very big difference between being not yourself and bearing it all. I think when you're talking, I was thinking about this saying, I don't know where it comes from, but it's like, share the scar, not the wound, which is basically what you're saying. You want to share afterwards when it's healed. Yeah. Uh, Brené Brown talks about this a lot. Mm. You know, talk about it when you've got something to say. Right. And sort of something to teach in a way. You've got some wisdom or reflections as opposed to processing in the moment. Hairdressers talk to me a lot about how they process their lives with their clients and then at certain periods wish they hadn't and so an example would be an an infertility struggle Mm -hmm. people tell everyone they're doing IVF and then people ask them how it's going and when it's not going well they've got to answer that nine times a day for months and so I think we have to be careful about what we share when you say something people are looking to have conversation with you so they will ask about what's easy and I think about I think there's lots of different parts of me and I show certain sectors of the world different ones some people get to see all of them some people get to see a few but they're all authentic and so how I think about it and I choose to show on my resilient hairdresser certain bits mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. that and there's this I think it's a buddy saying I'm not really sure where it comes from but it's if essentially it's this keep a bit back for yourself oh yeah and I say this in so many different ways in relationships <laughs> on yeah. social media anywhere but keeping a little bit back for yourself and I think it's really about feeling safe and when you mm-hmm. say your client got the ick I feel it's like that doesn't feel safe to me, what's being Mm. suggested. And so Mm. I think if you don't feel safe or you feel sort of a hangover from from sharing, I don't even want to call it oversharing, just from sharing. Yeah. That's you've entered into like unsafe. Yes. It doesn't mean you weren't authentic, but it maybe means it wasn't the right people. Interesting. And Oh, that's such a good point. And you know what I got to thinking about is when you said that, that absolutely could be it. Because like, for instance, in the way that I teach, like I don't advocate for for bearing your soul on social media at all for my students, right? I do not. 
And so like when I talk about things like, but we do have kind of prompts and things like that when we talk about, because I think always the biggest struggle is like, what do I talk about on social media as a hairstylist? Like, what do I do? What do I even talk about? And so I give prompts and be like, you can share things like what you love about your job, what you're, what you pull out of this education you've done, things that you're interested in. So like my, for instance, I'll give an example here. I love historical fiction. I love history. I love like those kinds of things are a huge passion and interest to me. I love cooking, like all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. That is super authentic to me. It's not something I feel uncomfortable sharing. I think that because there are certain messages going around that authenticity means that you have to show up like raw. I think that could be why that word is giving people the ick and making them uncomfortable. And so the reason I point that out is because like, I don't say at any point, like you have to do this, you have to bear your soul. I, that's not how I educate. That's not how I believe in, in coaching or mentoring. Yeah. I don't educate or coach in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Don't have a set of rules. I think we're going to figure it out together. Totally. And so that's what I mean is that it's not like this is a response to being told to do something that you don't, that's like uncomfy, but it's the belief that this is what I've seen and been told authenticity means. And that's what's getting the backup a bit. And that's why I wanted to have this conversation. Yeah. I also think some people are using being authentic a little bit like a weapon, like the mm. word in Mis- it's being misused and people are being like I'm just being authentic mm. you know that kind of thing it can be used in that way to hit people over the head and right. I think sometimes there's just this belief that being authentic is showing all of yourself right that's the best way and I believe it's not yeah I agree. And I think that there's, again, there's so much difference between what feels good for you, what feels good for me, what feels good for someone else. And there's no wrong way. But I think what's important is getting clear on A, what feels real for you, what feels authentic to you. And then B, also thinking about the purpose. Yes. I'll speak for myself, actually, because I think one of the things that I am in this side of our industry because like I have had experiences as a stylist and felt really down and felt trapped because I didn't know how to attract my own clients. And I made decisions that made me unhappy based on fear that I wasn't going to be able to sustain a business if I left a salon that was, so that's why I really dove into this bit of our industry mm-hmm. and like I know for you like you've struggled with the burnout and like then all of your experiences culminated in this right so for me it makes sense and I can see the value for my community to share certain things personal experiences like things I've dealt with as a stylist like things that maybe I've dealt with even as an educator that I've figured out how to overcome those kinds of things right yeah so for my particular business and for the impact that I'm trying to have it makes sense to share those things I didn't share the same things as a behind the chair stylist because it didn't feel relevant to me and I don't really think like I need to broadcast this part of my life for the sake of it that yeah. doesn't feel real to me. So yeah. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. 
I think when we get clients behind the chair, we're trying to connect with them. We've got to find yeah. ways to talk to people that we might not always normally talk to, like people from different walks of life, et cetera. So we're trying yeah. to find quick connections when we're behind the chair. That's why we're good at having conversations with hairdressers because we've mastered right. it. But on social media, we're doing the same. We're trying to connect with people. Yeah. And so I think about it in this way. I want to connect with people in two different ways, in a professional way and then in a personal way to lesser and greater degrees. And so I'm always thinking about that. And so let's say on social media, I want to connect with you professionally about what's hard about being a hairdresser. Right. And so I might share some of what it was like for me Uh struggling as a hairdresser. And I'm also going to share solutions that I hope connects with you. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm going to do. But I'm also, I want people to connect with, I want people to know a little bit about me so that they get, so that they don't think I'm too serious. Yes. You know, because I think I don't want people going, oh God, mental health, it's so serious, it's so drudgery. (laughs) (laughs) That's the last thing I want. And so I really want to make sure that people know that I'm, I think I'm funny. (laughs) Yeah. I I think you're hilarious. Thank you. I try. And in the way that I present my reels and my education, it will be in a more humorous way. But then I just want you to know a few other things about me. But the reason I talk, I post about my cats a lot. Yeah. And people send me pictures of their cats and say, oh, I love Babs. And they connect with me in that way. And maybe that's how they connect with me first is because they think Barbara's gorgeous. I was going to say it's Bar. Is it Babs and Janet? Is that their name? Yes. Oh, I love that. And it's funny, actually, because I also have two cats and I'm a total cat lady. So that was one of the things that I love watching in your stories as well. People, someone messaged me once and said, I'm only here for the cats. And I was like, look. And I put it in my stories a lot. And my vibe, I'm always having my pictures taken in front of street art. And when my clients go on holiday, they send me pictures of good street art. I love that. They know I like it. And so I really do like cats and I really do like street art. That is authentic for me. Yeah. And so that's what I choose to share of myself. Yeah. And I'm always thinking, might I share more? And we'll see. And I do. I share share what I'm doing every day. And because I like people to have a picture about, what it's like working for yourself as an educator. That's why I tell people what I'm doing, because I think there's a lot of hairdressers thinking Mm -hmm. about moving into education and they don't know what we do every day. Yeah. And I also like to share it because I tell you when I'm having my nails done and I'm going and getting a facial because I want you to know the bits of self-care that I'm doing for myself. And so there's reason behind it. But my point is behind the chair you're going, to, you're going to connect with your clients in a professional way, which is, mm-hmm. let's talk about your hair. Do you like the shampoo? Whatever. And you've yeah. got to decide how much you want to connect with them on a personal level. Yeah. And social media yeah. might attract people to you. Huh? And so I would really be thinking about that. Yeah. If you want to talk about travel with clients, yeah. share your traveling. Mm-hmm. If you want to talk about cats, share your cats. If you want to talk about cooking, share what you're cooking. Because sometimes we choose people based not just on their professionalness, but on their personality as well. It's like a backup, isn't it? It's so true. And I think that's where things like your brand voice are so important because, and that's the way that you present 
and the way that you add personality, like that's why I always say you don't have to show up as a corporate robot in your captions or in your videos or whatever. Have it be true to you and your actual personality because that's who they're going to meet at the end of the day. That's the end goal is that when you're attracting clients through social media, they're going to come into the salon, they're going to meet you and you don't want them it to be something that's throwing people off. And as you were talking too, I want to just bring this up. When you're posting all these things, the difference between like your feed and your stories is for your feed, that's where maybe like brand new people are. It's almost like you want it to be very evident what you do and what you're about and all of those things mm-hmm. on your feed. And I think on your stories is a really great place to showcase those things. And you can work them into your feed content too. But I think that's where you want to give a good snapshot, especially as a behind the chair stylist of what you do, who you serve, your space, your face, like all of those kinds of things. And then in your stories, that's generally where the people who are the most engaged, the most interested, like they're always going to check that out. And I, I won't say this for certainty, but I think that's where I see you sharing a lot of those more more yes. personal things. Exactly that. My stories is just, I do it to make my clients laugh. Yeah, I love that. And new people might see it and think, oh, I like this. Yes. Really, I'm thinking about my the people that I'm actually serving right now. Yes. The people in my memberships, my one-to-one clients, I'm just trying to make them laugh sometimes. I'm trying to entertain hairdressers scrolling on their lunch break. I'm thinking about that in my stories. And I want people to know my sense of humor and sometimes even my politics just to make sure no one talks to me about things I'm not interested in. (laughs) That's so true. I love that. Oh, I love it. Yeah, no, I think that's so good. And that applies for behind the chair stylist too. Like I, I think that's a really good kind of differentiator because Like we've said, I think this has been such a great conversation on the nuances because often we will see like a one-liner on social media or you can only fit so much into a a post or a carousel or a reel or whatever. And so I love to have these conversations on the podcast that we can dive into the nuances behind these things and really unpack it and talk it out. Yeah, because... You know, when you want someone to click on something, it's being nuanced isn't always useful, is it? And so no. often people will make bold statements. And yeah. if you didn't even read the cap, if you don't read the caption, you might not read the nuance. We're all walking around reading headlines thinking that 100%. Flat, when really people want yes. to click. And so, yeah, I think nuance is really important, actually. I'm not a fan of black and white. I'm not yeah. a fan of people who tell you they've got a route and a a set of rules and how you do things. I think I like it all to be up for discussion. And I think people should be able to figure things out for themselves. And sometimes we need a bit of help with that, you know, and that's coaching and education and stuff, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think that's really like a good rule of thumb too, is I definitely tend to veer away from anything that says, okay, there's only this one way, because I don't think there's ever one way. Uh, Yeah, when people are very certain, I'm not a fan. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I feel like when you don't know, you're very certain about the bit that you know. And the Mm. more you know, the more you realize what you don't know. And so I'm very wary of people who are very sure. 
That's the Dunning-Kruger effect, I think it's called. And it's this like idea that when you're just starting something, you have this like limited knowledge. So you do feel very confident and very sure. And then it's almost like the more you know, the more you realize. I think we can easily relate that to being a hairdresser. Do you remember when you're 20 and you think you know everything? Oh, yes. And you're 30 and you're like, oh, this is lifelong learning. (laughs) So true. I remember that was actually one of the biggest things that I'm grateful for when I pivoted my career is that I, it's, I think it's always, you're always learning, you're always getting education, but I hadn't felt like a true beginner, like starting from scratch in a very long time. And I was very grateful to be able to reconnect with some of those feelings because it's been very useful in terms of relating to when people are at the beginning of their, for instance, marketing journey or social media journey or education journey. There's so many new feelings and so much goes into being at the very beginning. And so I think that's, it's been a really useful lesson for me. Yeah. I think all our experiences really matter. Yeah. How we connect with people, isn't it? Uh, Absolutely. And yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's what brings us all together, which I love. Where can my listeners go to find out more about you? Tell me about what have you got going on at the moment and where can my listeners go to connect? So I live on Instagram. (laughs) I have (laughs) presence on Facebook, but I live on Instagram at the Resilient Hairdresser and I'm pretty good in my DMs. If people message me, I respond. And so that's a great place to find me. I have a website as well where you can find that really in the links on my Instagram and stuff like that, which will tell you a little bit more about what I do. But I'm working on something new, Jodie, at the minute. And it's really in baby stages, but I'm quite excited to talk about it a little bit. A course I'm working on that will probably come out around September, October. And I'm doing some training at the moment all around this. But I want to do a course for hairdressers with ADHD. I was recently diagnosed with ADHD. It wasn't a surprise. (laughs) I'd been thinking about it for a couple of years. And that was comforting for me, actually. But I see it in so many of the people that I'm coaching. And I think in the creative industry, I suspect that there's probably a high percentage of us with ADHD. And I think that it's underpinning a lot of the struggles that some hairdressers are having. Yeah. And so I really want to get to grips with really good, solid information, what it is, what it looks like, and then how can you help yourself? And so I'm not dead sure how the course is going to look just yet. I need to finish my training, but I want to make sure I'm not putting out false information into the world. I want it to be really good and reliable. And so I'm dead excited about it and I think it's going to be great. And so, yeah, I'm really excited about it. And the people I've told that I'm doing it are like, when will it be ready? (laughs) This is brilliant. Um, So I'm going to sell that as basically a course that's always available because I think that's the best way to do it. I think it just, you need it when you need it. I have a course that runs all the time, more or less called Burnout and Boundaries, which is my signature course how yeah. to stop burning, burning out as a hairdresser and get some good boundaries. And so that's pretty much always, I'm usually running it live a few times yeah. a year. You can buy the recording that's floating around as well. And if you haven't listened to Haley's last episode of the show, I'm going to pop that in the link in the show notes because that episode where you talk through some actionable strategies that you can actually use to 
cope with burnout and to get to the other side. And some of those just survival things that you talk about, I think were really impactful. And I'll be honest, I've actually used some of those tips, like the ones that you talked about. (laughs) So you know how you said, what can you drop or what can you put down for even just a short period of time? Yeah. I had never even considered that. And it's actually allowed me to drop a lot of the mom guilt even. Yeah. Because you know when things you've got a lot going on, like you think, oh, like I've still got to be holding all these balls in the air and it's I've got to keep everything up. And there's been weeks where I'm like, you know what? We are just gonna get takeout every night. Or you know what? We are just gonna not worry about having it all caught up all the time. And just that one thing has really given me almost the permission yeah. to let it slide a bit sometimes. And yeah, I think what's really important about that is to put is the time limit bit because yes. people feel like if I stop cleaning my house forever, that'll yeah. be terrible. And I'm like, <laughs> just don't do it for the next two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. What happens after that? And yeah. so I like people to think in sort of time limits because it it feels easier for people to let go because they know they're allowed to pick it back up. Yes. And so it's stuff and like it, that. So that's why I think it's really useful as well. Absolutely. And obviously, like we go into way more detail in that episode. So definitely listen to it. It's so good. And I think the burnout and the you've been on the show for two very important topics. So thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Absolutely. Thanks again for joining me. I'm sure this won't be the last time either because I just love talking to you. I love talking to you as well. Thank you so much for listening in to another episode of the Hairstylist Rising podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you like, subscribe, and leave us a review. Be sure to check out our show notes for all of the links mentioned in today's episode. And if you want to get in touch with me and let me know what you're thinking, what you'd like to see on the podcast, or just share your favorite episode, send me a DM over on Instagram, either at Hairstylist Rising or at It's Jody Brown. I am so excited to see you back here, same place, same time next week. And until then, I am Jody Brown. I am your host and I'm signing off now. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast and we'll see you next week.